Welcome to the HR Room Podcast, the podcast series from Insight HR, where we talk to business leaders from around Ireland and share their advice on how to create the HR systems and workplace culture that's right for your business. For show notes and bonus content, simply visit www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. And remember, if you need any HR support, get in touch with us at Insight HR. Whether it's conducting a complex workplace investigation, filling a gap by providing you with a virtual or on-site HR resource, or providing advice via our HR support line, we'll help you resolve whatever human resources challenge your business is facing. Okay, let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of the HR Room Podcast. The Work-Life Balance Bill represents a significant advance in workers' rights in Ireland, it recognizes the importance of family life and an improved quality of life for all workers by supporting employees to achieve a better balance between their home lives and work lives. And it's a direct quote from the government. The first provisions of the Work-Life Balance Bill are expected to be in place within a matter of weeks now that the bill has passed all stages of the Oireachtas. But what does this mean for employers? Well, to answer this question and a few more questions on top of that, we're delighted to be joined by our very own Megan Power, HR consultant here at Inside HR. How are you, Megan? I'm good, Owen, and you? All good, thank you very much. And as always, we're joined by our very own Mary Cullen, Founder and Managing Director here at Inside HR. How are you, Mary? I'm great, thanks, Owen, and always lovely to have you on our podcast, Megan. Thanks, Mary. Brilliant stuff. So look, so let's jump right in and I'll come to yourself first, uh, Megan, if that's all right. So it's so a bit of a long question to kind of kick it off, Megan, I suppose. Can you talk to us a little bit about some of the key items or updates included in this new set of uh, regulations? Yeah, sure. And a bit of a long answer um, as well. So As we know, this is a wide-reaching piece of legislation and there's quite a bit for employers to consider now as a result. I suppose, as it says on the tin, it's a move towards greater rights for employees in Ireland and recognises the importance of having a work-life balance. In a brief overview, I suppose this legislation covers um, leave for medical care purposes. So this means employees will have the right to leave, albeit without pay, um, in order to support a person who is in need of significant care or support for a serious medical condition. The persons who an employee could apply for the leave for are identified within the Act, so a spouse, civil partner, child, brother, sister, etc. And the employee is entitled to take five days of unpaid leave over any 12-month period. We also have domestic violence leave now being introduced. So if an employee is experiencing or has experienced domestic violence, they can avail of five days leave in any 12 month period under this new legislation. So this leave can also be availed of an employee in order to assist a relevant person who's experiencing or has experienced domestic violence. I suppose the aim of the new leave is to give the person a chance to seek medical attention, get counselling, relocate or seek advice or assistance from a victim services organisation, a solicitor or the um, or the guards. And a rate of pay for this leave is yet to be set out by the minister. Then we have our two rights. So the first is the right to request remote working on, I think, a long awaited piece of legislation and ones and one that employers and employees alike um, were waiting to come in. The Act provides for the right to request remote working for eligible employees. Um, I suppose that distinction is very important as the employee has the right to request remote working, but not an automatic right to avail um, of remote working. And as part of this new legislation, the WRC will also prepare a code of practice 
and in determining whether or not to approve a request for remote working, an employer must consider their needs, the needs of the employee and this code of practice once drafted. Similarly, with the right to request flexible working, um, employees, eligible employees will have the right to request a flexible working arrangement for caring purposes. Um, under the Act, a flexible working arrangement is defined as a working arrangement where an employee's working hours or pattern of working hours are adjusted, including through the use of remote working arrangements, flexible work schedules or reduced working hours. Um, so the request can be made by an employee who is the parent of a child and who will be providing care to that child. Um, or the requests can also be made by carers where the purpose of the leave is to provide care to a person who is in significant care or support for a medical condition. Um, so it's not a, a right to request for everyone, the flexible working. There is, you know, eligibility requirements um, in that regard. We also then have maternity rights. So previously, an employee who had given birth within the previous six months would be entitled to take time off work each day to breastfeed. And under the Act, this has now been extended to 104 weeks or so two years. Um, companies must now also, in addition to that, ensure their maternity leave policy extends to transgender males who have obtained a gender recognition certificate in circumstances where they um, subsequently become pregnant. So a lot their own, um, a lot to digest and, and a lot for employers to now consider. Absolutely, Megan. Yeah, great to get, I suppose, insights on all those pieces and we'll, we'll dig a little bit deeper as the, as the conversation progresses, I suppose. Um, Mary, I'll come to yourself just for the next one. I suppose, simple question, why have these updates been made? Were they kind of long awaited, Mary, or have companies already kind of jumped ahead with some of these things? I think they were long awaited on really because, you know, it's just about, um, I suppose, extending and enhancing the range of uh, supports available for working parents, for uh, people who find themselves in a domestic abuse situation, uh, for um, breastfeeding mothers and so and fat people with family caring responsibilities. So I think the legislation was needed and long awaited. Um, but I do also believe that uh, organisations are jumping ahead and uh, in the war for talent and in an effort to look after the health and the well-being of their employees, they're introducing uh, quite robust policies. So you only have to look at someone like uh, Bank of Ireland, uh, they introduced a, a pretty robust domestic abuse leave policy, which has been well publicised. You know, in as part of that uh, policy, they've gone way beyond um, the statutory entitlements that are, are coming in uh, for their own employees and they're going to introduce with that policy a range of support for for their colleagues who experience domestic abuse, including emergency hotel accommodation for their employees who need to remove themselves immediately from a dangerous situation. And um, they also have partnered with Women's Aid who are going to provide training to Bank of Ireland staff on how to spot uh, abuse. And um, I suppose if you look at Bank of Ireland and what they've done, and they've got a lot of praise for what they've done, um, 
you know, they're offering both financial and non-financial support to their employees, um, including paid leave, flexibility uh, with work schedules or, or in the work environment um, and to assist in the best way that they can do. So it's just an example of an organisation that's already ahead of the posse, thinking about um, the things that are contained within this piece of legislation in advance and, um, you know, being out there as a great employer who's looking after its staff in, in every possible way. So, yeah, I think there's there's other examples of people out there ahead of the posse too. It's often it's great to see, although these uh, new pieces of legislation are always welcome. It's even better to see some people jumping ahead with us. It's fantastic. Um, and we come back to that domestic violence piece in, in a moment, actually, because it is one that I think we we can give some due attention to. Um, I suppose, Megan, just kind of back to the, the, the basics there in the overview. I suppose if we kind of dig slightly deeper, Megan, are there any kind of connotations, complexities within this bill that kind of jump out? Do you think people should kind of look out for? I know obviously there's some things in there you mentioned, the kind of right to request as opposed to it's not actually an automatic right to, to get. Is there any little bits like that that you think might be particularly important? Yeah, and I suppose with the right to request remote and flexible working, um, I think it is important to understand that it's a right to request and not to actually avail of either. Um, the Act, I suppose, clearly outlines a process to be followed in the handling of requests and the code of practice once drafted will certainly shed more light on the expectations around this. So however, while an employee might be able to bring a claim against, you know, his, his employer to the WRC, the WRC won't be looking at the actual decision made in respect of the right to request remote or flexible working. Um, instead, they will look at the procedure that's been followed um, to ensure it's in line with the code of practice and make a determination in regards to that. So you're looking at an, an award compensation of four weeks remuneration and or a direction to make the employer comply um, with their procedural requirements. In kind of in addition, another one to look at, um, you know, that I found interesting is with regards to the breastfeeding breaks. You know, on the face of it, it's probably more a straightforward one and not one that I think is being talked about much. Um, but previously, the Act allowed for breastfeeding breaks up to six months. And Many women possibly wouldn't have even returned to the workplace, you know, at that stage. So I think some employers won't have dealt with this type of request before and need to consider the legislation and their obligations with regards to that. You know, they don't have to provide facilities in the workplace to facilitate breastfeeding if providing them would give rise to unmanageable costs. So like they can choose to offer um the option to breastfeed in the workplace where there are suitable facilities or have working hours reduced without the loss of pay um, to facilitate breastfeeding um, where there aren't suitable facilities. So, you know, for me, I think this feeds into the overarching topic of supporting mums returning to the workplace and having a genuine process in place to kind of manage and support that. Considerations around their workload, for example, as if they are availing of these breaks and, you know, they're arguably working one hour less per day and five hours less per week if they're full time, you know, their workload and, 
you know, in that reduced working hours will need to be considered. Definitely. And I suppose getting back to that domestic violence piece then, Mary, and as as we know, we're, we're doing a full webinar on this uh, topic at the end of the month, which is fantastic. Um, I suppose domestic violence, Mary, and I'll come to yourself as well, Megan, after, but I'll come to yourself, Mary, first. It's always been a bit of a tricky topic, Mary, isn't it? Because obviously, I suppose it's, I, look, there's no need to explain it. We just know it is a, a tricky and difficult topic. It's fantastic to see some, I suppose, progress here and kind of minimum standards and obligations. Any thoughts on the legislation in this regard? I suppose you've, you've mentioned it briefly there, but any thoughts on how how fit for purpose, how welcome it will be? I think it's very welcome. Um, and you've got organisations like Women and Women's Aid coming out and, and saying they welcome the legislation. But I think pay and the whole issue around pay uh, is a bit of a challenge. And, and we're all, I suppose, waiting with bated breath to see what rate of pay that's going to be set at. But I know certainly Women's Aid have raised concerns about, um, you know, if it's not at the full rate of pay, that this could pose a risk or a danger for the employee themselves, uh, particularly in circumstances where there is coercive control and, and somebody doesn't have um, free control of their own finances, for instance. Uh, so I think it is very welcome legislation. It's still very much taboo and uh, how it's going to play out in a, in a workplace setting is going to be interesting you know, you really are going to have to train line managers, not just to spot um, potential uh, victims of abuse, but also to understand what to do in those circumstances. And you really will need to create a culture of trust where there's psychosocial safety within um, the workplace so that people feel that they can actually approach somebody and discuss something so sensitive. As we all know that, you know, somebody who's a victim of abuse, whether that's male or female, you know, confidence is eroded uh, in, in a really significant way. Um, and their ability to come and approach, um, you know, is a question, it's a question in my mind. And, and I know we're going to look at this topic over the course of the month and, and speak to some experts who have expertise in this area more than we do. Um, but I do think from an employer perspective, it's not just a case that there's a statutory entitlement to this leave. It's how do we support people in these circumstances create a safe environment for them to disclose such information and for this whole area to be um, a topic that's discussed in the workplace. You know, hitherfore it really hasn't been and it has always been about an individual experiencing something in their personal life which is separate to work. Uh, and in recent times and certainly since the pandemic, we can see that there's a far greater drive to um, embrace the whole person and a far greater understanding that if something is happening to you in your personal life, whether that's at a health uh, level, at a physical level, at an abuse level, that that is going to have an impact on your performance, um, on you as an individual and uh, on your ability to bring your whole self to work as well. So I think it is a really interesting development. I certainly welcome it. Um, but I think there's a lot more to it 
then you just get five days off at who knows what rate of pay. 100% the same question to yourself, Megan, any kind of thoughts on it? Obviously, it's again, as Mary says, it's welcome, but there, there's a lot of bits that go with it as well, Megan. That's where the importance lies, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. And just agree with, you know, everything Mary says, like it offers that basic right to up to five days paid leave. We don't know what that pay um, is set at yet, but certainly capping it at possibly the 70% mark like they have done with the statutory sick pay, you know, poses a potential risk to the individual should they avail of it and like Mary said um, they're under course of control because you know it's the perpetrator likely has access to bank accounts pay slips um, and everything like you know and everything like that um, to do it right and again it's just reiterating you know your points Mary there needs to be a shift in culture education around domestic violence and I suppose a genuine support system for employees if they come forward managers or HR who deal with the request that comes in need to be equipped to handle that and have resources available at their disposal to offer an employee. So I know, Mary, you mentioned um, Bank of Ireland and AIB have obviously followed suit this week um, with a significant policy around domestic violence. Um, And again, like um, Bank of Ireland, that kind of relocation option the emergency accommodation um, and we obviously have to recognize that smaller companies won't have those resources um, but you know there are kind of less expensive more manageable supports you know like an EAP you know additional days leaves not capping it at five days flexible working you know arrangements you know leaving early or um, coming in late um, that smaller companies could afford to give and I think you know, if if a capped rate of pay does come in, you know, possibly looking to just offer that full rate of pay to encourage someone, you know, to 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 avail of the leave. Um, and I, I suppose I'd be an avid supporter of of an option like that. I suppose without considerations, you know, like that, as Mary said, um, and a real indication that the company is taking this seriously. Um, and there's a safe space and resources to support employees who need to avail of it. I think you'll find employees won't, even if they even if they need to. Look, Mary, I suppose more generally than I know we've spoken about domestic violence there, but I suppose on that implementation piece, Mary, we always say, I suppose the policy is only as good as what's actually happening within the business and practice, the culture around it. So I suppose whether it's domestic violence, whether it's the flexible work arrangements, whether it's the remote working, Mary, I suppose the legislation is good, but how important is that implementation piece and really kind of the how is not just the what is in the legislation, but the, the, that how piece, how important is that? Oh, it's hugely important because, uh, you know, it, once the law comes in, litigation will surely follow, you know, and, and it'll probably be next year before we see any litigation arising from any of these changes. Um, You know, when it comes to, I suppose, human decency in the workplace, in my experience, the majority of employers are accommodating, particularly when somebody is, is, is struggling or in dire circumstances for one reason or another. And, and I suppose this puts it on the statutory footing. And uh, with that comes the requirement to develop policies and procedures, to train line managers, to uh, ensure that your workforce are aware of 
uh, their rights and your obligations. Um, and, you know, it's how do you weave it into um, documents that have already probably just been updated um since Christmas, we know here at Insight HR, we updated documents for uh, our clients probably three times already last year. Um, we've updated them again in January and we're going to have to update them again, um, you know, in some cases to prepare people for the leave and, and to discuss with them whether they want to look at just statutory or do they want to go above and beyond um, the statutory requirements. And you'll always see that in, in particularly in the corporates, they will be offering above and beyond um, the basic entitlements with a view to attract and retain talent. Um, and, you know, a lot of SMEs might stick to the statutory uh, or go slightly above it. But, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. But certainly it's something that employers need to think about. And look, I'm going to shout out to all the HR people out there and all the business owners and all those who are tasked with updating these documents. It's it's there's a deluge and there has been a deluge for quite some time. Um, understanding yourself, keeping up to date yourself with all these changes is hard enough. Uh, never mind. Uh, having it translated into a policy before all the detail is actually there because nothing is sure than as soon as the government makes an announcement, somebody is going to misunderstand elements of um, the legislation and they're going to think that, oh, I, I can work flexibly and remotely now if I want to myself uh, and, you know, the potential for conflict is immediately there or somebody misunderstands the um, leave for caring requirements and thinks that it, it applies in all circumstances. And again, the the room for conflict starts to exist. So the sooner you get policies and procedures in place, the sooner you uh, consider your own particular approach to it, uh, the better um, for you as an employer and for your employees as well. Definitely, and it was that it's the it's the typical last question that I'll, I'll ask you both, and you've you've taken a fair stab at it already there, Mary. I suppose with the what should employers do now to ensure compliance? Um, should they constantly be looking at stuff like that? But I suppose, Mary, it is it is those kind of three things. It's being up to date with the with the legislation, thinking about how you will apply it, and then putting everything in place, isn't it, Mary? And how, how how important is that kind of external support piece as well? Which I know obviously it's something we provide, so we're not going to hide the fact that it's a little bit of a plug there, but it is a huge part of getting this right, Mary, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's a, it's a bread and butter of a lot of the work that we do with our clients is ensure that they're up to date and compliant with employment legislation. And we do that, I suppose, for our clients in, in that we update their documents for them. Um, but we also do it for the HR community generally through our podcasts, through our webinars, to keep people up to date because we recognise that there's a huge vacuum out there. This legislation is in place, but who's talking about it? I don't hear anyone talking about it. I, I had a quick um, check on my uh, podcast. I'm a big podcast fan, not just a, a podcast recorder, but, um, you know, there's nobody talking about it. So how are employers meant to know what they're to do, how they're to do it, what consideration should they be 
taking into, um, I, I suppose, or building into their their thought processes here, um, because it's not as simple as, you know, we we're going to introduce domestic uh, violence leave. Uh, we have to think about well, what if somebody approaches one of our managers? What if that goes wrong? Uh, what could go wrong, and how might we provide for that in our policies and procedures, training, education, awareness? Uh, these are all important things to factor into um, what we do as HR professionals. Um, we spend our time poring over these documents, but I know when I was in-house, I didn't have the time to do that. I was always, you know, under pressure to deliver on the projects I was delivering on at that time. Never mind pour over every piece of legislation that came out. And, and the volume has uh, gathered pace considerably uh, since I was actually working mm -hmm. in-house. I suppose final word and same question to yourself, Megan. I suppose, look, it is tough to keep up with these things, but to ensure compliance and to ensure proper implementation, it's important to note for people in-house, there's, there's a little bit of a process to this kind of stuff, isn't there, to say the least? Yeah, I think I, I echo Mary's sentiments where it seems like you update something and suddenly you turn around and <laughs> there's another change. There's another change of foot, uh, but all all positive, um, all a move towards more rights for employees and, and work-life balance. Um, and I suppose we know it's not, it's signed into law, but it's not enacted yet. And um, it is going to be done in stages um, over the next couple of months, so very loosely set. We're imagining the leave for medical care purposes and the changes to the maternity rights kind of to be expected almost immediately and um, with domestic violence leave expected early summer and then the right to request remote and flexible working kind of in the autumn, in the autumn time, assuming, you know, that the code of practice will be drafted um, at that stage. Um, I suppose employers, you know, should start looking at their policies to see, and it goes back to what Mary was saying, how they might include the legislation as we understand it today. Um, you know, there's key discussions to be had prior to the implementation of policies anyways. Management needs to look at these new rights, you know, who has responsibility, you know, for dealing with any requests that might come in. And, you know, like Mary said, whether they're going to offer statutory or, or above that. You know, and, you know, as a result of these rights, is there anything additional that they need to bring in, like training, additional resources like an EAP? And um, for example, when we chat about domestic violence leave, as I said at the start, on there is quite a bit to it. Um, it is a significant piece of legislation. And I would encourage employers, senior management, HR, whoever has that responsibility, whoever wears that hat within the organisation to sit down and start thinking about what it means for their business and I suppose how to get it right and as always we're on hand to discuss this with them. 100% and I'd implore anyone to particularly on the domestic violence piece to sign up for that webinar at the end of the month as well um, either via LinkedIn via emails via our website wherever you want to you find it because that's something we will be going into detail on and as Megan says we will be going into detail on a couple of these things as well and we're here to, to help whenever whenever you need it. Um, so look thank you Megan and Mary for a very insightful discussion and um, a lot to get through there, but I'm glad we, we covered it all because it is an important update that I'm sure a lot of people are thinking about. Uh, and thank you to everyone for listening. We'll catch you next week for the next installment of our podcast. So don't forget to click subscribe and join the discussion on our social media channels. And do feel free to ask us any questions on our social media channels as well. We'll make sure to get back to you. 
And as always, for HR consultancy services and management you can trust, get in touch with us today at InsideHR.ie. Thank you, Mary. And thank you, Megan. Thanks, Owen and Megan. Thanks, Owen. Thanks, Mary. Thanks for joining us today on the HR Room podcast, the podcast series from Inside HR that helps you create the human resources systems and workplace culture that's right for your business. For show notes and bonus content, go to www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. That's www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. We'd love it if you subscribe, like and share the show with any friends and colleagues who are looking for fresh ideas on how to create the ideal workplace for their business. And remember, if you need any HR support, get in touch with us at Insight HR. Whether it's conducting a complex workplace investigation, filling a gap by providing you with a virtual or an on-site HR resource, or providing advice via our HR support line, we'll help you resolve whatever human resources challenge your business is facing. Thanks, and see you soon.